I'm Daniela. Welcome to my podcast, because everyone has a story. The place to give ordinary people's stories the chance to be shared and preserved. Our stories become the language of connections. Let's enjoy it, connect and relate, because everyone has a story. Welcome to this episode. My guest is Dawn Barclay. Dawn is an award-winning fiction and non-fiction author with a soon-to-be-released book about traveling with children who are anxious, inflexible, or neurodiverse. She's a woman of many talents with a flexible mindset that always likes to try new things. Her passion to traveling and her immense creativity for writing characters is what brings her to the show today. I enjoy learning about Dawn's experiences. I have a lot in common with Dawn. I love to travel like she does. I love observing people's behavior and love trying new things and learning new stuff and meeting new people. So I have a lot in common with Dawn, except for the passion that she has about writing and creating characters in a book. So let's enjoy her story. Welcome Dawn to the show. Good to have you here. Well, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it is good to have you. Don, tell me, you are sharing your story. I think it's your life story. That's what it appears to be. Yeah. <laughs> You're the first one who wanted to speak to me about my life. So here you go. <laughs> yes, I think it will be really interesting because reading a little bit about you, you had a fascinating life so far. Tell me, when does your story start? Well, it was the late 50s. <laughs> it's a long time ago. I was the daughter of two owners of a large travel agency in Manhattan. So I was traveling from age two when they took me to the ASTA convention in Cannes. My father was from England, so I spent a lot of time going back and forth between the U.S. and England, developed very good friends in England. I went to college early. I was at college at 16. Oh, wow. I left college early because I wanted to travel. So I started working full-time at 18. I went back to college when I was older and got my degree when I was raising two kids and working a full-time job. So that was fun. <laughs> do you have any siblings? Uh, I have one brother who lives down in Florida. Okay. And we're very close. So my question is mostly to know if the fact that your parents had a travel agency is why the law for traveling started, or is mostly that your law for traveling is inherently a part of you? Does your brother like to travel as much as you do? I think we both enjoy traveling. I might be a little bit more adventurous than he is. I'd be faster to go to Africa than he would be, for example. He has gone to all 50 states, I believe, and I have not. So he's more of a domestic traveler, though he's enjoyed going to Europe. I worked in the industry for a long time. He worked in uh, technology, but I worked in the travel industry. And so both as an agent, the manager of an agency, I worked in sales and marketing. I've been a meeting planner. I've been a travel writer, all facets. It was part of my life okay. as well as my work. And so going back to college, so you study what exactly? I studied psychology when I was at Tufts. I left when I was 18 and started working. When I went back, I studied both psychology and marketing. So I have a dual major in psychology and marketing. Do you think that it made a difference that you stopped college and then went back? Yes, in a couple of ways. 
because I found out that my life didn't change so much after a degree. I really went back and got the degree to be an example to my children because I think it's important to graduate college. I didn't get better jobs because I had that degree. What I found was going back, life was a lot easier because of the internet and you could do your research for your papers so much easier. So college going back was very simple for me and very enjoyable, but I, I liked studying anyway. I see. Okay. So you took a big break and you were traveling in between? <laughs> yeah. I was working and I was traveling the world. And so I very much enjoyed that. Went back and got my degree and continued on doing sort of the same stuff I was doing before. But I had worked and travel. And then after my son was born, I got my real estate license and I started doing real estate. And that turned into a full-time thing right after 9-11 because I did not want to travel to where that office was anymore. And travel was kind of dying after 9-11. So I went more into real estate, but I continued doing my own writing. So I have a company called Dawn Barkley Inc. with a K. And that's always done sales letters and brochures and later web content, any sort of writing for different industries, but especially the travel industry. And that's sort of been a constant through my life. Psychology mixed with writing, traveling and marketing. Those yeah. are all your strengths that came natural to you. Well, there's certainly stronger strengths than, say, cooking and cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Traveling, how do you choose where to go? You went on your own. How? As a travel agent, we used to get familiarization trip. This was long before the days of frequent flyer points. It was a lot easier to travel as a travel agent and go with discounts. Now it's very difficult. But at the time, I would either be on familiarization trips or later I was on press trips with my husband. We, of course, traveled together separately and during our personal time. And then when the kids were born, traveling was more difficult because they were not good travelers. They were sort of challenging children, which led me to write my most recent book about traveling with anxious and inflexible and neurodiverse children. It's called Traveling Different, and that's coming out in August. So that was sort of the beginnings of that book, even though I didn't finish it until this year. Okay. Explain to more about this trip, about having your kids being anxious and inflexible. Well, that's basically what it was. They just were not good travelers. They had transition issues. They had sensitivity to different stimuli. I don't really like speaking about them now that they're adults because that's their story. But I will say that I found them challenging when they were children. And so I had to find a way to still travel with them. And so I looked for this book about uh, traveling different and it didn't exist. So I went and wrote it. <laughs> It's just writing it took a while because the people I needed to interview really weren't evident until a group called IBCCES came out with a designation called the Certified Autism Travel Professional Degree and or certification. And then I knew who I could interview for the story. And they introduced me to the parents they were working with. Many of them were special needs parents themselves. So I had a wider breadth of people to interview for the book. There were all the parents that you interview. I interviewed mental health professionals like Dr. Tony Atwood, Dr. Ellen Lippman. I interviewed these certified autism travel professionals who have studied, uh, done intense training to learn how to work with people on the spectrum and who also have invisible disabilities like ADHD and uh, bipolar disorder. And many of them are special needs parents themselves. So I interviewed them. They introduced me to some of their clients who are special needs parents. And then I, I had a lot more information on the internet in 2019 than I did back in 2000. Mm -hmm. So I was able to put together this book. Uh -huh. That's great. So you are being helping 
other parents that feel the same way. Do you think also that could be that you were so open and flexible about traveling that you were trying to think that your kids would be the same, but it wasn't? I think that is true. I think that I was so used to traveling from a very young age and I did not have the say sensory issues or transition issues that they did. So it was it was more difficult and I didn't really understand at that time the sort of things I understand now, how you can introduce the concept of travel, uh, how you can over-prepare, sort of a checklist that I've prepared for the readers of my book. I did not have the benefit of that and I wish I had. Yes, of course, we didn't have all these tools in the past, but right. for you it was familiar. So that's why it was uh, yeah. a, a regular thing to do. Yes. yes. From a very early age, I was traveling. Yes. And for me, it was similar. Uh, we traveled between Madrid and Caracas. Since I was five, I was going on planes on my own because my mom will send me back to Venezuela and then back to Madrid. And so for me, it's like, wow, I, I was always feeling like I was not a grown up. Yeah. I was in the 70s. You know, there were the flight attendants who will actually uh, take care of you on the plane. And it was just really fun. I actually didn't travel on my own until I was about 15 or 16. So you you had a, a leg up on me. I, I was always traveling with my parents. I mean, they'd send me to camp in Switzerland when I was either nine or 11, but I didn't fly on my own. They took me there. Oh, wow. Why, why a camp in Switzerland? My dad wanted me to learn to speak French. Oh. He liked Switzerland and I had the opportunity to go. So I went. Where are you? I was in a camp. It was on Lac Lamont okay. in the French section of Switzerland. Because I also went when I was 15 to a French travel camp. And how long was the camp for? I think they were each a month. Oh, wow. So you did learn French. Un wow. peu. <laughs> <laughs> I, re I remember a little. Yeah. I, when I get to Paris, I can conduct a conversation with a taxi driver. Yes. That's about as good as I still am. I'd like to go back to Switzerland. It's been a while. I had the opportunity to go to all three sections and I love it. Going back, so you went traveling and you wrote this book because now you realize that you had challenges with your children for lack of knowledge, lack of information. And so you're helping people with this book that you wrote. Yes. However, you also went traveling and finished your college degree, but you have wrote numerous other books. Yeah, this this book was supposed to be my first. It ended up being my eighth book. I started writing fiction back in 2013. My first novel was published in 2016. And since then, I've published or had published seven novels. And how did your love for writing started? You know, it's an interesting story. When I was really young, I was writing poetry and I was writing like satiric short stories and my grandmother would look at me and said, you didn't write this, did you? As if she was accusing me of plagiarism, but it was her way of complimenting me because she thought it was so good. And I think that always encouraged me to write. I would write those little things. They got published in the school paper. I don't have a lot of stuff sitting around in desk drawers like some writers do that never got published. Everything I've written has been published, which is nice. But I mean, I transitioned to corporate writing for a long time and didn't come back to fiction, like I said, until 2013. Something I always wanted to do and I just didn't have the guts to do it because it's a very different animal than nonfiction. 
when I was in real estate, I wanted to get across the idea of how dangerous it is to be a realtor, how we get in strange cars with strangers to go to see houses that we advertise that we'll be in a house alone for four hours on a Sunday. And we're sure to put our pictures on our signs to make sure everybody knows what we look like. So you put this glamour picture out and say, hey, I'm going to be alone in this house. And you're just asking for trouble. And I wanted to get that across. And so I wrote this book called Expired Listings. It's about a small town where all the realtors are getting killed and no one really cares. The townspeople think it's a public service and the other realtors think, great, less competition. So it was sort of funny from the get-go, but it is also a murder mystery about these people being murdered and one agent being framed for the murders, how she has to investigate alongside this adorable detective to clear her name. You have a vivid imagination. (laughs) (laughs) It was a fun book to write. It was a very fun book to write. When anybody annoyed me in the real estate industry, I killed them off in the book. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) Very cathartic book. Yeah. So that was the first one. And I got some acclaim for that book. It did pretty well. And then my second book was a book called Slashing Mona Lisa, which was about a plot against the diet industry. And it's the title came from an ex-boyfriend of mine. I was very thin at the time when I was dating him, but I have a tendency to yo-yo up and down with weight. And so I told him, you know, one day I might be heavier. And he said, don't do that. It would be like slashing the Mona Lisa. So I used that title for the book because the point of the book was that beauty is not absolute and it should not be predicated on weight. So by slashing Mona Lisa, you're kind of slashing the idea of beauty being perfection. It's kind of about how we're two people, one when we're thin and one when we're heavy. Yes. You you seem to be a growth-minded person that every situation that you are in, you take it to create something. I try to, yeah. Third book was a book called Saving Grace. And it came because my husband kept asking me about my inheritance. And the thing is, my my father's still alive. It just struck me funny. And I thought, what if he wanted to kill me for my inheritance when I inherited? So I wrote a book about a woman who has been diagnosed as paranoid since she was six. When she goes off of her meds for the first time in like 42 years or whatever, she comes to decide that when her father dies, her husband's going to kill her for her inheritance. And she has to save herself without destroying her life in case what she's seeing is wrong, in case she really is paranoid and she's seeing everything wrong because she doesn't want to destroy her son's lives by getting divorced and, and sort of uprooting everything. That's called Saving Grace. And that book did really well. It's got like currently around 850 reviews on Amazon. It won some awards. It was one of my favorite books. How do you come up with all these ideas? Like you wake up in the morning and that's it. You sit down and you just, oh, everything flows. How does it happen? Like I'm thinking about a book now and I just keep thinking about it. I have a basic premise and then I might take my dog for a walk. I I might be showering and I'll think, oh, that would be a good thing to add. I just create psychological profiles of people and then I play it out and the book kind of writes itself. I'm reading it as I'm writing it. I don't have it all plotted out from the beginning. It's called being a pantser, writing by the seat of your pants. I sort of know how things end, but I'm not sure how they're going to go in the middle and I'm figuring it out as I'm writing it. Will you say this is a natural talent or you have worked hard on this? I think you have to have some imagination, but I think it all is a matter of perseverance. I mean, there are lots of people who won't finish a book. They say, I want to write a book and then they never start. 
or they start a book and then they never finish or they finish and they send it to an editor and then they get so upset by the editor's comments that they don't revise it. And everything happens in revision. Your first draft is always awful. And I'm talking about everybody's first draft is always awful. Every author I've ever known says their first drafts are terrible. But the magic is in the revision and you can't edit a blank page. I know from the first book on that I sort of have to vomit it out and see what I've got and then shape it. Things change as I revise. And as I write, characters pop up that I didn't expect. It's just, it's an interesting process and I really enjoy it. Yes, it sounds like you do. You think that studying psychology helps you with your thrillers that you're writing? Oh, oh yes. In fact, right now I'm reading a couple of books on narcissistic personality disorder and self-esteem to shape my next upcoming book. Wow. Interesting. Great. Following the jobs, I see real estate, travel agency, and then? And then my own writing. So I'm a content writer. I provide content, freelance content. I've got a, a magazine column currently, an insider travel report where I write about special needs and family travel. That pretty much covers it. I've worked in different aspects of the travel industry. I'm just writing in the travel industry now. And then you keep traveling or not? Well, there was the pandemic. It kind of put a crimp in my travel. We'll probably travel again. I'm waiting to see if some press trips come up. My husband and I are planning to go to the Caribbean sometime this year. And I'm kind of thinking of going to London in September for a crime writing conference. I am scheduled to go to a a fan conference for thriller and mystery writers in Minneapolis called VoucherCon. That's in early September. And every November, I go to a convention called Crime Bake outside of Boston. That's a very small crime writers convention. And I want to ask Don, what do people think about you as a person? How is your personality? <laughs> I have no idea. I think they think I'm a lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> I try to make people laugh so they're never quite sure what's going to come out of my mouth. And I so I'm a little um, irreverent and I'm very snarky. And so I think they expect me to be pretty sarcastic. But I don't think people really have a handle because every time they turn around, I'm either at a different job or at a different weight. <laughs> like, who is this person? I don't really stick it to doing one thing. I, I get bored. Interesting. When you were younger, you also had that problem that you got bored and you change or... Well, I was always traveling when I was younger, so there was always something new happening, a new place to go. I think I was more stable then. Now it's sort of, you know, when you get older, you're thinking, how much time do I have left? I want to get everything in. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have the money to take more chances now, too. Did a lot of different things when I was younger. I, I did improv comedy. I studied improv comedy. That's where I met my husband. When I was older, I did competitive trivia. Do dog rescue now different things. My current dog, Harley, is a rescue. My two dogs before this were Phoebe and Doofy. They were rescues. So I like rescuing and raising dogs that might have been badly treated when they were younger. So how many you have now? I have one. I would have more if I could, but my husband wants me to keep it to one. We had two earlier. I grew up with six. When I was younger, my parents had two Dobermans, two Irish Wolfhounds, and two Bearded Collies. And we also had three acres fence that we, they lived in the house, but they had plenty of room to run if they needed to run outside. They didn't go traveling with you guys. No, we did not travel with them. My grandmother lived with us and she took care of the dogs when we were traveling. And how do you think your parents' love for traveling started? Well, my father grew up in London and he was 
on the original, uh, he was in the mer- merchant Navy when he was younger. So he was traveling from a very young age. And when he came here, he worked for the airlines and before he opened his own travel agency. So it's something I think he always really enjoyed. I mean, he's traveled the world and I always looked up to him and I think I always wanted to be like him. So to me, traveling would have been like coolest thing ever. He'd run these tours and I'd get to go to the airport and say goodbye to people. He, he would see the tours off and I would go and I would just think, I want to be on there. I want to go. There was a longing and a pent up desire that I think I played out when I was old enough to work and and get a job in the industry. Nice, nice. Yeah, I find traveling is beautiful. And also you meet a lot of different people. You, You travel as a tourist or more as a traveler? More or less traveled as a writer or somebody who was in the industry. When I travel with my husband, I'm traveling as a tourist. I don't sort of go there and live like a native. I was always traveling for work, whether it was a press trip or a a familiarization trip. So I was either learning how to sell the destination or how to write about the destination. And how to write about destination is mostly as a tourist? I was writing for the travel trade. So I was teaching travel agents how to sell the destination to their clients. And then a lot of my other writing was how travel agents can do their business, whether it was profile of a successful agent or business techniques. I was more of a business writer writing about travel. Okay. Wow. Sounds super interesting. We already touched about all the eight books. I think we stay in number four. During the pandemic, I wrote a book called The Queen of Second Chances, which was set in a senior center. And it's about overcoming regret, no matter how old you are. And that's a very sweet book. I wrote a book called Simple Trist of Fate, which is about a travel writer who's also secretly an erotica writer. And she goes on a trip to Argentina after her divorce, and she runs into this very sexy British publisher named James Aldridge, who is also leading a secret life because he's really a a whistleblower. And he's on the trip as a, a cover for investigating some political intrigue, and they fall in love. That was actually based on a press trip I took to Argentina. I followed the same itinerary. I included some of the same people that were on that trip, and they had a lot more fun on that trip than I did. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want anybody to think I was having that kind of fun on that trip, but I wish I had. It was a a great trip for them. So that was one of my most recent books. I also I'm the co-editor of a book called uh, Justice for All, Murder New York Style 5, which is uh, an anthology put out by the Sisters in Crime New York chapter, of which I am a vice president, and I co-edited that anthology. And then I have another book that's kind of racy, and it is under another pseudonym, and I don't really talk about that. (laughs) And why thrills? Like, why this this thing about personality and kind of murders and stuff like that. How, how did that came up for you? Yeah, I murdered four people and I wanted it to be clear. <laughs> I wanted it to secretly come out. I don't know. I like, I write what I enjoy watching. I like watching psychological thrillers. So I write them. It interests me. You know, some people will spend a lot of time in a book talking about the description And I don't care what the color of the wallpaper is. I care what's going on in the person's mind and what's making them do what they do. And so that's a psychological throw. And I want there to be suspense. What's going to happen? You know, I want people to be at their edge of their seat wondering. And I also want to write something that's very original. I don't like to write anything that's derivative of what somebody else has written. I like watching romantic comedies too. And I've written, I mean, 
Queen of Second Chances is kind of a romantic comedy. Simple Trust of Fate is it's romantic suspense. So I always have humor in my books and I always have usually have a little romance in my books. Sometimes there's a little kink. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you make it different from everything that is out there? I, I don't know what to tell you. I just seem to find plots that other people don't have. Um, if I, I always think of what would somebody do and I try to have my people do the opposite. If I think of a plot that I feel has been done before, I just don't write it. But that also makes it harder to sell to an agent or to a publisher because they seem to like things that are derivative. They want you to be able to say, hey, this book mixes Tarzan with Gone Girl or so, you know, something crazy. But it's like things people understand and, and were popular. So they're not taking too much of a risk by representing you. So it makes it harder. You have to find a very open-minded publisher or agent to work with you. And you didn't have any issues with that? I had an agent for expired listings. I got five contract offers. I got them on my own. That particular agent did not get me any offers. I ended up publishing it myself because I didn't like the contracts I was offered. There were clauses in them I couldn't live with. And this was my baby and I wanted total control. The other books were published by small presses. I did not have an agent for most of them. When those contracts end, I take the book and I put it under my own imprint. So they maybe spent their first two or three or four years of their life out with another publisher, and then they come back to my publishing company. The most recent book, Traveling Different, my nonfiction, I'm represented by the top parenting agent. And she got me in with Roman and Littlefield, which is a very well-known trade publisher. And they've auctioned off the audiobook rights. So that was great. So it's going to be an audiobook too. And I don't know what's going to happen with the next book. The new book, I've, I mean, I'd love to get a really great thriller agent for my next book, but we'll see. Yes, it's whatever is going to come to your mind or imagination. Yeah. Do you mind edits now or you still feel that they are very helpful? I appreciate edits. When I first started, I didn't like being edited at all. And I had one friend, a really great writer, who edited one of my books And she sent me all her notes. And then I wrote her a three-page letter telling her how all those edits were wrong and sort of explaining why I was right. And then I look at that letter and I just crack up because she was totally right. And I ended up making all of her changes. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> you have to be open-minded and you can't, you're not, you're too close to your own work to edit it. So while I will do my revisions, I will always get an editor as well before I send it off to a publisher or an agent, because I know that you have to have somebody from outside, looking in and giving you their input. Yes, that's, that's true. You're a wonderful writer who loves what writing is all about. You also love traveling and you're going to continue traveling. Hope so. Yes, <laughs> sure. And so what else? What is out there? What else is there for you? You have to keep moving all the time. I don't know. <laughs> I've got my two kids. I try to let them live their own lives. They might disagree with that. <laughs> I'm there to support my husband. I can't tell you what's next. I think I just am concentrating on writing. I want to see the rest of the world. And what is the rest of the world? I have not been to Morocco. I have not been to New Zealand. I have not been to Portugal. I haven't been to parts of Scandinavia. I'd like to go back to the South Pacific. There are still places I haven't seen that I would love to see. I'd love to get out of New York and move somewhere warm. <laughs> <laughs> When you go to countries, how long has you stay in one place? It usually isn't more than one or two weeks. I lived in Switzerland for a summer and I lived in France for a summer. That's the only time I was really away for a long period. 
And you have a favorite locations that you enjoy the most? Oh, wow. Many, many. I love Tahiti. I love Venice, Paris. We were in the Seychelles. It was beautiful. There are places I'd go back. Love to go back to Africa. Love being on safari. Life is short and I'd like to hit the places I haven't been yet too. Yes, that's true. Do you usually will go back to a place or you say, okay, I've seen it, that's it? Well, there were some places like England that I went back again and again for family and I, I went back mm -hmm. for work and now I'll go back again if I go to this crime conference. But I mean, I have friends there and I feel very comfortable there. I feel kind of like I grew up in London almost because I was there so much. I'd go back to Italy for the food. <laughs> <laughs> but really want to go to some new places. Good. And as a mom, how are you as a mom? We know that you asked him to travel. Were you like a farm mom or? Oh, not as firm as I would have liked to have been because my husband was less firm than me. How was I as a mom? That would be so much of a better question to ask them. I, I would say that I was always trying to do my best. I was a working mom. I felt it was important for them to see a woman working and not believe that you should just stay at home and cook and clean. So I was never home cooking and cleaning. Luckily, my husband's a really good cook. We didn't live like a traditional life like that. I mean, my husband played piano, so they used to go and see him perform. I mean, he's a lawyer, but he composes and plays piano. He's recorded some of my songs. He's recorded a bunch of his own songs. We tried to show them as much of the world as they would let us show them. I used to laugh because I told them that I had never skipped a homework assignment in my life. So they refused to believe that was true. <laughs> <laughs> I think they think I'm funny. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they think I did the best I could. None of us are perfect parents. I think my husband's a better parent than I am. I, I understand that. I understand that. Good. So you've been a good role model. You have done your best. Like I think every parent do. You know, sometimes we don't understand that, but it is true. Yeah. And you're a writer and have vivid imagination and you're a fun person. You like your life and you just would like to be in a warmer place than New York. Yes, yes I really would. <laughs> Anything else? If people like what I've written, feel free to review my work. Shoot me an email because I'd love to know that I've either entertained you with the fiction or I've educated you with the nonfiction. That would be wonderful. Writers always love feedback, even if it's not necessarily great feedback. We like to know that we're reaching people. It's important for me to get my point across, but also to make people laugh. So I hope some of my books do that. Yes, wonderful. We can count and you keep writing and seeing more books from you. I certainly hope so. I write as D period, M period, bar, B-A-R-R. -R, and the nonfiction book is under Dawn M. Barclay. My uh, website for the fiction is dmbar.com. My website for the nonfiction is travelingdifferent.com. Yes, we will put all that in the show notes as well for people to access that easily. You know, shoot me an email. Thank you so much, Dawn. It was a pleasure. Great. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed it, today's episode. I am Daniela, and you were listening to Because Everyone Has a Story. Please take five seconds right now and think of somebody in your life that may enjoy what you just heard or someone that has a story to be shared and preserved. When you think of that person, shoot them a text with the link of this podcast. This would allow the ordinary magic to go further. Join me next time for another story conversation. Thank you for listening. Hasta pronto.